As a young man, God gave Joseph two dreams. Genesis 37 And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheaf. They bowed down to Joseph. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 9. And he dreamed yet another dream and told his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come and bow down ourselves to you, to the earth? And his brethren envied him But his father observed the sayings. He didn't forget them. Every word spoken by God, whether in dreams, whether in scripture, whether it's spoken directly to you personally through a thought brought by the Holy Spirit, every dream from God, every scripture from God, every word from God will come to pass. At some point in time, it will happen. Now let's go to Luke 21, to some words Jesus spoke, which have not yet happened, but you can know this will happen. Luke 21, verse 20. Jesus says, And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is near. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter there into Jerusalem. Don't go into Jerusalem. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you don't go into Jerusalem, flee from Jerusalem. Go into the mountains the days of vengeance that all things that are written 
may be fulfilled. Joel chapter 2. This is also in Acts chapter 2. We'll read from Joel chapter 2. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Now you say, well, they've been saying that for 2,000 years. True. But the thing that makes it different now is what Jesus said in Luke 21. When you see Jerusalem compassed by armies, know that the desolation of it is nigh. We saw that happen October the 7th, 2023, when Hamas attacked Israel. And now Hezbollah up in Lebanon is attacking Israel. The analysts on the newscast expect more nations to attack Israel. What's your situation at the current moment? This podcast is heard all over the world. Wherever you are, Begin to get your life in order. Don't owe money to anyone. Get out of debt. How? Pray, ask God for wisdom. And you begin to do what you read in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It outlines for us how we are to live on this earth. But most people have cast that aside. Church people have cast it aside. And they live another way. They live the way of this world. Buy now, pay later. Buy your cars now. You can have a new car today. Why pay later? The way of God is buy when you have the money. Don't go in debt, get out of debt, stay out of debt. Things are coming up on the earth. You will live far better out of debt than in debt. Get out of that mortgage you can't pay. Take less. Set up something comfortable that has you a little more money left over after you pay in full for the house. You say, that's impossible. Well, there may still be time. We don't know how long this days of vengeance is going to go on. could be 10 years. Start today getting your household in good condition where you don't owe man anything and you're the head and not the tail. Joel chapter 2. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. That's what I'm doing right now. And sound an alarm in my holy mountain. If I don't sound the alarm as a prophet, your blood will be on my hands. But if I sound the alarm and you hear it and choose to ignore it or take it lightly, your blood will be on your hands. Then I hope you are afraid. 
I'm afraid, although I know God will help us. I have said three times to him lately, God help us, and I've heard, I will. Three times. But if you're not following God and you're following the world and living like the world, what's to become of you? It's surely not going to be good. So turn it around. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. How do I get out of debt? How do I get my life turned around? What should I do about this mortgage? Should I get a smaller house and put that money in a safer place? What should I do? You say, well, it's impossible with me to get out of debt. I don't believe it is. I think God makes a way of escape for those of us who will do the word of God. First, you need to know the word of God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who give us to all liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. I'll stop and tell you a story of how I got out of debt through following God. At the time I was born again, I owned a small business in American Indian Arts in Dallas, Texas. I went to New Mexico, USA, to the Indian reservations, and I bought merchandise for my shop in Dallas. I owed a woman $6,000 who wanted to invest in my business. After I was born again, I saw the scripture that said, Be not unequally yoked to unbelievers. And I immediately told God I needed to get out of debt, and I didn't know how to do that. I asked him, Please, get me out of debt. I probably had $1,000 I could pay toward the debt. I went to the reservation to buy merchandise. I went into the shop of a friend of mine in Santa Fe, New Mexico, who owned an American Indian arts business. He bought and sold, and I sometimes bought things from him and took them back to my shop in Dallas and sold them. There was a rug lying off to the side of the room, and a Navajo rug. Now, I didn't sell rugs, but I couldn't pass this rug by. He rolled it out for me, and I just loved it. One thing God has taught me to do is follow my interest. I just thought that rug was spectacular. It was a red Navajo rug. Of course, it had design in it. I had taken two of my workers with me that trip so that they could see how I go about buying merchandise. And they were wandering off looking at some kind of denim top with decorations on it. 
Well, we didn't sell stuff like that. We sold pure American Indian arts, but they were off in another room looking at this stuff. And I called them to come where I was. And I said, look at this rug. It's spectacular. And they said, but we make our money through jewelry. I said, I know. And they looked at it. I said, but I just can't pass it by. So I asked how much he would sell it to me for, and it was $500. I took it down to Albuquerque to a shop in Old Town where a very good rug appraiser was said to be. Turned out she was the greatest Navajo rug appraiser living at that point in time. So I met Edna, and she looked at the rug, and she said, Joan, you have really lucked out with this rug. Most of these old rugs are worthless, but this is a very good rug. And what you want to do when you go back to your business, don't sell it. That rug's going to go up in value. So what you need to do is to keep that rug, price it at a price that no one would ever buy it at. And that's what I did when I got back to my shop. I had the rug at my apartment where I also sold jewelry from. And a man came the very next day, I suppose, to buy jewelry. And he said, what is that over there rolled up by the wall? And I said, oh, that's an old Navajo rug. I just brought that back yesterday. He said, well, let me see it. And I said, oh, you wouldn't, I don't think you'd like that. Well, let me see it. So I rolled it out on the floor reluctantly. I didn't want to sell it. And he walked around it and looked at it and felt it and examined it. And then he said, how much? And I said, $5,000. And he just started writing out a check. And I tried to stop him. I said, now, why don't you think this over? He didn't stop writing the check. He handed it to me for the rug. And I said to him, okay, I'm not going to cash your check for one week. In one week's time, if you decide you don't want the rug for any reason, you bring the rug back to me, and I will hand you your check. The man left with the rug. I put the check away and did not cash it. But I never saw that man again. So at the end of the week, I put that $5,000 in the bank, added $1,000 to it, and paid my debt to Carolyn in full. That was 1976, approximately. I've never been in debt for anything since that time. No mortgages, though I built three houses and paid cash for them along the way because God enabled me to have the cash. Live by the Bible. I saw a scripture in Romans which says, Oh, no man, anything. 
we have the scripture in 1 Timothy, which tells us how to live. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Do those scriptures. Start doing them. We don't know how long we're going to have before the bottom falls out, but it's going to. God set me up to be able to live to the end of my life on this earth. Along the years in 1990, I built two sets of houses and sold part of one. Two of them were apartments, and I sold one of the apartments and rented the other one and built a house on a lot that I had bought out on the golf course for $13,750. I had the cash to buy the lot. I did not have the cash to build on the house. I did not borrow money. But we had excess offerings coming in. My mother had some money that we had inherited 50000 from my father. I had been told by God at one point in time in the 1980s a dream where gold was $288 an ounce. And I heard that it would sell for 600 So I had been putting excess offerings into gold coins, cougarans. And I felt that was the time I needed to sell the gold is when it reached 600 It wasn't a matter of my saying, I'm going to wait and make more money. The minute it reached 600 I sold all the gold. And that gold was used to put into the house. I started with two apartments, $45,000 each, on a lot in Clovis where there was a trailer park that my mother lived in a trailer on the trailer park. I sold her trailer, and she moved into the back apartment. But I hated the neighborhood. I built there because my mother's cousin lived down the block. And I just couldn't face moving my mother to any other location. But I bought a lot out on the golf course in case I could get the money together to build on it. Five years passed, and I had gotten the money together except for $50,000, which when I sold my apartment, that's exactly what I got for it is $50,000. I put all the money together and paid in cash for the house on the golf course to build it. I lived there for 10 years. I paid $100,000 to build the house. That was all the money that I had saved. In 10 years' time, it sold for $227,000. I moved to Lubbock, Texas, bought a lot, put all of that money into building on the lot, plus some more money. Lived there 16 years. By that time, I'd reached 81. Now, I really didn't have 
anything saved because I'd been putting everything into these houses, building these houses. But when I was 81, I had a nice house paid for in Lubbock, a very nice house. I fell, and God had told me, you can't live alone anymore. And I spent two and a half months in the hospital. And during that time, it was shown to me and a woman from our church group for me to move to her house. And I would technically rent a room in her house and give her $500 a month. She didn't want to take anything for it. But I insisted. That wasn't, I knew, enough for the room. But I had that property in Texas, which was debt-free. It sold in a year and a half for $308,000. I started paying her $1,000 a month rent, technically. And... I put all the rest of the money into MMDA account. And I know that God arranged me to build those houses so I would have money to live on at the end of my life. Because we only have six people who give contributions. Six. S-I-X, six people. And that money that's in the bank, in the MMDA, will be used for the length of time that God leaves me on this earth. And I'm 86 years old next month. God arranged for me in a way I would have never thought of. God has ways for us to escape the way of the world. And he makes a way for us to escape that we may be able to bear the temptations and the problems that are coming upon this earth. And God put it in my heart very strongly that this money from this house and the sale of this house would be for my old age. Once we went on internet with the blog, ministers from all over the world began begging me to give them money. I didn't. I know what that's money's for. I don't even know that these are real ministers. They say Jesus is Lord. That doesn't make them a minister nor does it make them a Christian. Jesus warned us that in the end times, don't let any man deceive you. That's in Matthew 24. Let no man deceive you, for many will come in my name, says Jesus, saying that I am Lord and will deceive many. Just because they say Jesus is Lord doesn't mean they belong to Jesus. They can talk a good game while they're begging you for money. 
Well, I know what this money's going for. I've had many of them ask me for money. Many ministers want me to give them money. Very often they want to go out and have a meeting and save a thousand people. They give me a number. They even tell me how many they want to save. This is ridiculous. It's by God you're added to the church. No man can tell you I'm going to go out and save people. I've had many people save. I mean, not thousands, but one and two here and there, as I've spoken the word of God. It was by God's will. He showed me what to speak. I spoke it, the scripture, and they were saved. They were born again. One of whom was my own mother. So, you see, God does what he wants to do. And we simply follow him by that that is brought to our mind by the Holy Spirit, whether it's a dream, whether it's a scripture, or whether it is just a thought of what to do. If your heart is right and you belong to God and you try to follow scriptures, things happen. Now back to Joel chapter 2. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh for it is nigh at hand. A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like, neither shall there be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them and behind them, A flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing shall escape them. Verse 10. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark. And the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? Acts chapter 2, Peter spoke of it. Verse 16, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. 
and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, in the war between Israel and Hamas and Hezbollah, in that war over there, for about six days on and off, I watched newscasts on CNN and saw many people interviewed from the nation of Israel. And then on the sixth day, God said to me, not one of these people interviewed on television has said anything about God or used the word God. I was shocked. Not one of them. One of them even told of a miracle of how she hid and escaped being kidnapped. And she said it was a miracle. She didn't say it was a miracle of God. She didn't say God showed me to hide there. She didn't use the name God. Not one of these people used the name God, and they call this the Holy Land? Nonsense. When they deny Jesus, and they don't talk about God out here? Several days passed, and I did hear Two people interviewed and separately, and each of them used the word God, and they are Palestinians. They don't even believe in the God we believe in. They believe in Allah, their own God. This is incredible stuff. Well, multiple prophets, Isaiah being one, in Isaiah 13, 13, he said, the earth will be shaken. Power of heaven will be moved. The earth will be shaken. In the solar system, the earth will be shaken. There's one of the scriptures of one of the plagues where a third of the time the sun should shine, it doesn't shine. And a third of the time the moon should shine, it doesn't shine. These are in Revelation 8. 9 and 16 that the plagues are spoken of the end time plagues the wrath of God the great tribulation so we've got the day of vengeance spoken of by Jesus the days of vengeance where everything in the Bible is fulfilled there are lots of things in the Bible that have not been fulfilled I'll read one of them to you, Isaiah 13, 13. The prophet Isaiah says, Concerning God, thus saith the Lord, Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts, and in the day of his, God's, 
fierce anger. Why would God be angry? Well, look at the television. Look at the naked women on television before your eyes. I'm sure if, if you're of God, you've done what I've said. And I said, I hate this. And you've turned it off, refusing to watch it. Look at the way they live. I was born in 1937. We didn't live like that in 1937. Every generation, it gets worse and worse and worse. And Paul said, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We are near the end, somewhere near. The days of vengeance could go on for years. But Jesus says, in the days of vengeance, everything written will have been fulfilled. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.